the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So I don't know how she knows this, but a candidate on the Democratic side of the aisle for Rob Portman's Senate job, her name is Morgan Harper, has tweeted a picture, name, and town for one of the murdered servicemen in yesterday's attacks at the Kabul airport. Uh, He is an Ohioan. And she is using his name, identity, and picture to score cheap political points. She lists his name, his town, all that. She says, while far-right Ohio Senate candidates bash Biden, the rest of us Ohioans will pay our respects to you and your family. May you rest in peace. And score cheap political points, I hope, for myself. Is the part of that tweet that she... Did not write, but is unmistakably clear. It is pathetically, reprehensibly ironic how small she becomes when she stands on the dead body of an American serviceman to make her political capital. Uh, Yesterday, the officer who murdered Ashley Babbitt, his name is Lieutenant Michael Byrd, uh, spoke out about why he shot the unarmed Navy veteran in the Capitol on January the 6th. Uh, Michael Byrd said he did it, and he has no regrets about it, because I know that day I saved countless lives. I know members of Congress, as well as my fellow officers and staff, were in jeopardy and in serious danger, and that's my job. Yeah, it is your job to protect uh, Congress people, and you're right. It might not have been pretty had any of the rioters gotten to them, but it is undefined and unspecified by you or anyone else, Officer Bird, how you saved countless lives when your pistol fired the only shot January the 6th at the Capitol. Could conceivably congressional members been beaten to death or stampeded to death or hung or knifed? Yes, I suppose so. But I think you make a thin case that you saved countless lives. Um, let me point out the irony of Officer Michael Byrd uh, shooting a white Navy veteran to death and being exonerated, while at the same time 
a white Columbus police officer has yet to be exonerated by the Columbus Division of Police for acting heroically and saving a life uh, on May the 15th in an incident that tragically resulted uh, inevitably and unavoidably in the death of a Columbus teenager who was trying to stab another person. That officer continues to twist in the wind. Uh, Michael Byrd has been exonerated. So I've been thinking today a lot this morning about what I watched yesterday. The attack on the Kabul airport, the murder of American service people, the inability and inadequacy of our president to rise to the moment. And in the midst of those thoughts, a friend of mine uh, sent me a video of Ronald Reagan in the aftermath of launching an attack against Muammar Gaddafi and Libya on April 14, 1986. Uh, On the 5th of April that year, nine days prior, American service personnel were killed in a bombing of a nightclub in Germany. And once we had determined that Gaddafi was behind it, uh, Reagan launched uh, airstrikes to exact revenge. I had forgotten how comforting and inspiring it is to have a leader who seizes the moment, understands the moment, articulates the moment, and rises to the occasion as a commander-in-chief. We didn't hear that yesterday afternoon. Joe Biden's not capable of it. I really don't think he cares. I really do not think he cares. He cares about one thing. He cares about preserving the image of Joe Biden. He blames others for his failures. He tries to engender sympathy for himself with past tragedies that he has suffered. He tries to magnify those tragedies beyond what is truthful to accentuate the sympathy you feel for him, labeling the person in the other car when his wife died in an automobile crash as a drunk driver when, in fact, the man was not drunk at all. But Joe Biden thinks, wow, if you feel sorry for me because my first wife died in a car accident, maybe you'll feel more sorry for me if my first wife died in a car accident at the hand of a drunk driver. So I'll just tell everybody that. Because the truth is inconvenient for Joe Biden. But once upon a time, we had a real leader as president. We've had others since. But it was very much appreciated by me that my friend sent me this tape of Ronald Reagan who, uh, though he was the oldest president ever to leave office, never lost his ability to understand the gravity of the death of Americans and the necessity to avenge it. Joe Biden was older on the first day he stepped in office than Ronald Reagan was on the day he left office, and Joe Biden is not capable of that. Reagan was, and here is proof of that. Today, we have done what we had to do. If necessary, we shall do it again. It gives me no pleasure to say that, 
and I wish it were otherwise. To our friends and allies in Europe who cooperated in today's mission, I would only say you have the permanent gratitude of the American people. Europeans who remember history understand better than most that there is no security, no safety in the appeasement of evil. It must be the core of Western policy that there be no sanctuary for terror. And to sustain such a policy, free men and free nations must unite and work together. And for us to ignore, by inaction, the slaughter of American civilians and American soldiers is simply not in the American tradition. When our citizens are abused or attacked anywhere in the world on the direct orders of a hostile regime, we will respond so long as I'm in this Oval Office. Self-defense is not only our right, it is our duty. It is the purpose behind the mission undertaken tonight. I have no illusion that tonight's action will ring down the curtain on Gaddafi's reign of terror. But this mission, violent though it was, can bring closer a safer and more secure world for decent men and women. We will persevere. I salute the skill and professionalism of the men and women of our armed forces who carried out this mission. It's an honor to be your Commander-in-Chief. We Americans are slow to anger. We always seek peaceful avenues before resorting to the use of force. And we did. We tried quiet diplomacy, public condemnation, economic sanctions, and demonstrations of military force. None succeeded. Despite our repeated warnings, Gaddafi continued his reckless policy of intimidation, his relentless pursuit of terror. He counted on America to be passive. He counted wrong. I warned that there should be no place on earth where terrorists can rest and train and practice their deadly skills. I meant it. I said that we would act with others if possible and alone if necessary to ensure that terrorists have no sanctuary anywhere. Tonight, we have. Thank you. God bless you. And how different is that attitude than what we see now? Ronald Reagan talked about there is no room for the appeasement of evil. What we've done since Biden took office is do nothing but send signals of our weakness, our lack of will, our inability to defend the secure areas we had established in Afghanistan. Ronald Reagan said the core of Western thought must be that there be no sanctuary for terrorism, no place where they can train and practice. We have given terrorism a launching pad the size of Texas by pulling out of Afghanistan and ceding control of Afghanistan to the forces that hate us before we ever bothered to get out. I know that we'll eventually be tricked, brainwashed into moving on to other things. I get it. Media gets tired of the old story. You don't see much about the border anymore, do you? Nope. And you won't see much about this very soon. Eventually we'll get to a day where the media will talk about Joe Biden coming back from the darkest day of his presidency. 
he will be portrayed as having achieved victories of one sort or another. I pray that we never forget how utterly dangerous it is to have a president as incompetent as he is. Because we are, with no doubt in my mind at all, going to experience events ahead of us that are designed, strategized, plotted, planned, and carried out by the exact same forces that we're allowing to come back to power in Afghanistan right now. There's no doubt in my mind. None. Zero. I just pray that we have the perspective on that day to assign the blame where it belongs because it belongs squarely at the feet of the 46th president of the United States. So I hope you have a good weekend. I hope you have plans. I hope you have special time with your family. I hope you get your rest. Um... I'm looking forward to uh, the weekend, but I reflect on the weekend previous, and that's when everything really started to go south in Afghanistan, when we started to see people clinging to airplanes as they were trying to leave the Kabul airport, people falling from the sky. Uh, This past week has been nothing but bad news. It escalates every day. Uh, Hopefully there won't be more terrorist attack, but when our authorities say, you know, to expect them, I'm, I'm not stupid. They were right on the first warning, and I have no reason to doubt they won't be right on additional warnings. So as I was sitting in my chair this morning in my quiet time reading my Bible and praying, I was trying to think of what I'd say to you today, because I do like to try to end the week on um, hopefully an inspiring note, at least an, at least at the very least an instructive note. And I try not to overwhelm you with uh, biblical citations during the most of the course of the week of the show, but it's always the prism through which I view life, and I'd be less than authentic with you if I didn't use that as my prism at the end of the week when I'm trying to make sense of these events. So I thought about the last 20 years, and I thought about those uh, 13 families that are getting that dreaded notification today. And I remember very distinctly, as I'm sure you do too, 9-11, that morning, that Tuesday morning, beautiful day, Senseless violence, innocent people killed instantly and died in a collapse of the towers, and awful, just awful. And then I remembered the following Sunday when the churches in America were more full than they had been in a long, long time. And I contrasted that with now, and I don't think that would be the case now. I really don't. We had back in... 2001, we still had a respect for and a um, an esteem for faith as a country. I think our reaction after 9-11 was we humbled ourselves. We realized we needed God. And we believed we were on the side of good. We were united in our values as a country. We are not that now. I'm not sure that as a country we believe we're on the side of good. There are a lot of people who think we're an evil country, a horrible country, a country that needs to be torn down and started over and changed. 
We are not a courageous country. We cower in fear from a virus that has a 99.9% survival rate. We marshaled our anger at a common enemy in 2001. Now we direct our anger at each other. And so this morning I was just fell into a part of the Bible where it was the early in the reign of King David and everything was going King David's way. He was consulting God and he was winning every battle and he was plundering his enemies and it was all good. And if you know the story of King David, you know that it didn't stay all good because he drifted away from God. And I reflected on Isaiah 66, verse 3 and 4. And this is what I read, and this is where I think we are right now. I think we're experiencing the wrath of God as a country. I don't think we're experiencing it because all of us have brought it on. I think we are experiencing it because enough of us have strayed from humbling ourselves before God or appreciating and treasuring the blessings that God has lavished on our country. And so this is what Isaiah wrote about the people of Israel, but I believe it is true of us as a country right now. They have chosen their own ways, and their souls delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and will bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. We have as a country chosen what displeases God. You cannot look at the way we have engaged in intersectionality, racial discord, elevation of immorality, the murder of unborn children, and make a plausible case that we have not chosen what displeases God. And I think that's manifesting itself in the level of anger we have toward each other, in the reprobate minds that I see flourishing on the left side of the aisle. And now it is manifesting itself in a frightening three years remaining on the horizon of an inept, empty presidency. We've deteriorated dramatically on our southern border, in our economy, in our ability to engage on truth, in our ability to get along, in our ability to defend ourselves. We've deteriorated dramatically in eight months under this administration. Where might we be if this pace continues for three more years and four more months? That's a scary thought voiced eloquently to me last night when I talked to a friend. This friend is 
someone who understands truth and prioritizes it and teaches it to his kids. He is Ivy League educated, but he ventured into the belly of the woke beast as an undergrad and had been raised by parents who had ingrained enough truth in him that he was not changed by the environment around him, but that he took the best of what his university had to offer, and he is paying it forward now as a healthcare professional. And as we greeted each other on the phone, I said it's a very, very sad day because I don't see us as a superpower anymore. And he said, I understand why you say that. I feel so sad for my kids. That is right where I am. I feel so sad for the future generation. Our solution to these issues is to humble ourselves and pray and seek the favor of the God who has every reason to abandon us. So I encourage you to do that this weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.